Welcome back to Amazing Horse Country. Amazing Horse Country is a unique and positive style of relational horsemanship. We're down to earth, honest, and well, we just really enjoy horses. In this episode, we're starting a new series where my horse Ditch and I are stranded in space and fighting for our lives. Ditch is a great horse and a great friend. When I'm teaching our popular Liberty to Riding clinics, he's my usual pick when I need to demonstrate concepts. Liberty means different things to different people. I think of it as synonymous with freedom. And thus, we don't have to teach a horse anything in Liberty work because they already know how to be free. Instead, the onus is on us to step up to the plate and learn how to be a leader that our horses will follow. And to do that, we need to strive to be experts in their language. If you've followed Amazing Horse Country, you'll know that the horse's true language is comprised of space, energy, empathy, and focus. Body language and sounds are simply expressions that support the horse's language. So when we learn to speak the true language of the horse, which isn't all that hard by the way, amazing things happen. In this episode, Ditch and I have to rely on our liberty exercises to survive. We end up riding bareback and brideless in some pretty dangerous situations. What happens? Do we pull it off? Well, you'll have to listen to find out. To learn more about Liberty work, you can watch our videos at AmazingHorseCountry.com. Check out the Basics of Liberty Parts 1-3 to series. It's a great tutorial for building up a true connection with your horse. Hey, hi Ditch! What's that? Yeah, yeah, sure, I can tell them that. So, Ditch wanted me to tell you one last thing before we get started. We put in several days of work for each one of our podcast episodes. Don't get me wrong, it's a lot of fun. But production, including all of our recording and editing gear, does have a cost. We'd be so grateful if you can support us. And our plans start as little as $3 Canadian per month. It's super easy to sign up for and includes lots of amazing benefits from Amazing Horse Country merch to live streaming webinars. Take a minute and head to patreon.com slash amazinghorsecountry and help us out. Thanks in advance. And thanks, Ditch. Amazing Horse Country. Inspiring connection creating success. It's what we do. And now, the first episode in our new series, Interstellar Horse. Enjoy! I awoke to a soft knicker and the feel of a horse's muzzle on my cheek. Opening my eyes, I could make out my horse, Ditch. I was disoriented and shook my head to clear my thoughts. 
Have you ever been traveling and woken up in a strange room and taken a few minutes to remember where you were or what side of the bed the lamp is on? This felt exactly the same. Disorienting, but much less comfortable because I wasn't in a soft bed, but on a hard floor. I shook my head to clear it, but that didn't help. Even after concentrating, I couldn't remember going to sleep and honestly had no idea where I was. Where we were, apparently. The room was lit in a soft bluish hue, as if energy conservation was a priority. But the room was illuminated enough that I could see the word Olaja, and that was spelled O-L-A-D apostrophe Y-A, stenciled in exceptionally large and bold white lettering on the wall. I made a mental note to look that word up. The letters in the name, however, had deteriorated, as if they'd been subjected to years and years of wear. Scuff marks covered the floors and walls. Without knowing better, I guessed we were in a cargo hold, and the name of the vessel we were on was the Olaja. The burning question, though, was where this particular cargo hold was, and why were we in it? The floor beneath me was hard and cold, the air dry and sterile. I had to get up. Rolling onto my knees to stand up, I whacked my right knee on the edge of a groove in the floor. And this was familiar. A track meant for securing cargo. I'd seen them in cargo planes before. I stretched as I stood up. It felt good to move. How long had I been out? My horse, Ditch, was with me and that was a treat. He's got a heart of gold, and to him, everyone is a friend. When I first got him, Ditch was nervous and suspecting. He'd undergone a horrible experience with a trainer. An unfortunate, but all too common occurrence. But that's all in the past. Today, he's super friendly and has made huge strides in his confidence. He loves to hang out with me and is my first choice when I'm teaching Liberty Clinics. I was glad he was here. What the heck was that? The noise came from behind me and made me jump. I spun around and as I did, I swore I caught a fleeting glimpse of something large moving. But where was it? I didn't see anything now. Maybe it was just my peripheral vision playing tricks on me in the dim lighting. But even Ditch took a few steps back snorting and staring wide-eyed right at the spot where the noise seemed to have originated. But there was nothing there. I took a step back and drew Ditch's eyes to mine. Changing his focus from whatever had spooked him worked well, and he was now looking at me with expectation. Let's explore, buddy, I shrugged, and remembered something I'd been taught years ago. Assess yourself, your team, survey your surroundings, and then... Explore. Well, Ditch and I seem to be fine, so next step? Take a look around. The room we were in was expansive. The far wall looked to be at least a couple hundred yards away and featured substantial bracing around what appeared to be a door. And that door took most of the far wall. Whatever entered through it must be absolutely colossal. I remembered seeing an Antonov 225 airplane at an airport a few years ago. 
That beast is 60 feet high and I thought it could pass through this door with room to spare. What was also noticeable was the cleanliness. I mean, this place was devoid of even the tiniest moat of dust. Either someone was doing an immaculate job of cleaning, or maybe that big door, did it open into? No, it couldn't be. I put that thought aside for a minute. I turned to face behind me. There was a smaller door, well, proportional to the big door anyway, and I figured a large tractor could probably fit through that one. This was the only other door I could see, and a large freight container was beside it. I strode over to inspect the door, ditch by my side. The container looked like it was made from plastic. I knocked on it. Definitely harder than plastic, more like metal. I couldn't say for sure what material it was made from, but I guess it didn't really matter. Standing about two meters in height, it was a solid gray, and like everything else in the room, scuffed up. I absently wondered about the stories this well-traveled container could tell, if it could, or if it had the inclination to. Ditch reached out to touch it with his nose. Horses have a great system of figuring out what an object is. I see it on the obstacle course all the time. I stood back to see if Ditch would go through the typical investigative horse steps. He didn't disappoint. After touching it with his whiskers, he rubbed it back and forth rapidly with his muzzle and then bit a corner of it. It didn't yield and his teeth didn't leave a mark. He picked up his left front leg and pawed at it. Ditch took a step back and stared quizzically at the box, as befuddled as I was. I shifted my attention at that point. We were, after all, standing in front of a door. So how to get it open? I looked for an opening mechanism and saw nothing. Thinking high tech, I looked up for a camera that might indicate facial recognition. Nothing. Fingerprint reader or retinal scanner? Nope. Hoof print reader? <laughs> no, not one of those either. Wait a second. Was the cargo container blocking a door latch? There was a few inches of space between it and the wall. I pressed my head right up against the wall and tried to look in the space. And there it was. Some sort of control panel. Slightly annoyed, I wondered why someone would block the only visible way out of the room. Trying to keep someone from getting in? Or trying to keep something from getting in? For the slightest second, I was apprehensive about attempting to get the door open. But we had to do something. Eventually, we need food and water. And we had to find someone. Were we being watched? There must be security cameras somewhere. I shoved my arm in behind the container to try and access the panel. My elbow prevented my arm from moving any further. Dang it. Even twisting my arm and shoving it in as hard as I could wasn't enough. Well, if reaching behind it didn't work, I could just move the box. I put my palms on the side of the box and pushed. It didn't budge. This thing was heavy. 
A tickle on my neck again. Ditch. I stood back and let him have at it. He turned around and took a step backwards so his butt was squared up against the box. And then he pushed. I was excited for a second and then disappointed. The box wasn't moving. Wait a second. I still had arms. I stood beside Ditch and we pushed together. Finally, the box started to move. I felt my energy building up as I counted three, two, one, and then push. Both Ditch and I shoved with all we had, and the box moved a good five inches. I gave Ditch a pat on the neck. What great thinking! And I turned to look at our work. The container hadn't moved very far, but it had moved at an angle, so now I was able to get my hand in the space. Although I couldn't see the panel, I could feel it. With my face again pressed uncomfortably to the wall, which didn't have a smell, because I knew you were wondering what the wall smelled like. I felt a round button. I imagine it looked like one of those emergency stop buttons you find at the gas pumps. So I pushed it. The door slowly opened. Behind that door was an open hallway, or I'd say more like a service corridor. Looking in either direction, I couldn't see the ends, like it extended an infinite distance. There were dark gray beams, or maybe ribs might be a better word, spaced about every 10 meters. They were curved, thin at the bottom and thick at the top, clearly meant for structural integrity. About every 30 meters there was a bulkhead, not unlike the structure around the door we just walked through. In the corridor though, all the bulkhead doors were open. The lighting was much better in the corridor, a bright light that was somewhat close to sunlight in warmth. It seemed to come from the walls and ceiling themselves. There was no discernible light source. Although not breezy, I could definitely feel air moving, some sort of circulation system. Again, the air was dry, but the temperature was comfortable. After every third structural rib, I think there's an actual name for those in the building, isn't there? There were smaller doors, but only on the opposite side of the corridor from the door we'd come through. Figuring that the doors on the same side led to other cargo bays, my thought was to try to open a door on the far side. We started to walk down the corridor, ditches hooves clattering on the metal surface. Stopping by the first door, I saw a circular control panel with a luminescent ring around it. Almost like a big version of the touch-sensitive walk buttons on the traffic light posts. It looked about the size of my hand, so I placed my hand on it. I felt it vibrate ever so slightly, and then... Immediately the ring around it turned red. Locked? Denied access? I touched it again. Same thing. Third time's a charm, I thought, and pushed it one more time. Please stop attempting to open the door. I stopped. I spoke out loud. Okay? The voice had come from all around us, almost like the walls were speaking. I was quite sure at this point that we were being monitored. Was this some sort of elaborate joke? I thought for a second that we were actually on some reality TV show and wondered which one of my friends had gotten tired of my practical jokes. But there was a starkness, a coldness to this whole scene. 
Hello? No answer. Who's watching us? Who are you? I am the AI aboard the Oladia. What is the Oladia? The Oladia is an interstellar cargo vessel. I am unable to reference your biodata in the ship's crew log. Please identify yourselves. I'm Scott, and this is Ditch. I am unable to identify the life form known as Ditch. Ditch is a horse, and a fine one at that. Horse, a large, oculate mammal. Right. Level 1 alert. The footprinter reports that it is no longer able to produce pie of any kind. At that point, Ditch glanced at me, perhaps frustrated at being referred to simply as an ungulate mammal, and clearly feeling dejected at having an important conversation about himself cut off by something as trivial as pie. Ditch didn't even like pie. We agreed on most things, but, you know, horses. Rebuffed, he turned and walked down the hallway. This time, I followed him. Maybe his acute equine senses could pick up on something that I was apparently missing. I caught up to him and let him lead for a bit. We passed three doors, Ditch pausing and sniffing each one, then striding back down the hall. At the fourth door, Ditch stopped, sniffed, and stayed there. I put my hand out and touched the control surface for the door. The ring around it turned green. Ditch and I stepped through the threshold, and as soon as Ditch's tail cleared the door, it closed automatically. We now stood inside a large room, about the size of a gymnasium. The room was full of tables and chairs, all vacant. Each table was six-sided and had six chairs around it. It was extremely organized, like it had just been set up for an event. A dining hall? Recreation area? The creepiness factor was inching up again. Where the heck was everyone? At work? The place felt, for lack of a better word, abandoned. Ditch jumped to the side. I turned to see what he was upset about, and again, I saw nothing. What was bugging him? He was frozen in place, staring at... at a table? And then I noticed something that I'm sure I hadn't seen when we entered the room. There was a big notch missing from the table he was looking at. Two of the chairs were gone, too. I walked over to it, ditch remaining in place. The table wasn't broken. Not exactly... It was just missing a part of itself. There were no marks to indicate that it had been cut or smashed, but about 20% of the table was just... gone, in a smooth, arcing curve. Level 2, alert. Could the crew member that released the laboratory gerbils in the showers on Level 2 collect and return them to Laboratory 5 Delta immediately. I stepped back and looked about the room. A closer inspection this time. This time, I noticed similar damage to a couple other tables in the room. 
There had to be well over a hundred of them, and maybe two or three had suffered the same fate. The far side of the room was a wall of what looked like windows. And if those were windows, it was pitch black outside. I started walking over to them, and then realized after a second that Ditch was not with me. Now Ditch and I have done a lot of Liberty work, and we have a great relationship. He generally sticks right to my side and mirrors my every move. But he wasn't there. I turned around to see him staring at the table that had been most recently damaged. Ditch! I called, but his focus was still not with me. I whistled then, and he turned and looked at me. Once I had his eye, I thought about drawing him into my space, and he came forward. He seemed relieved to focus on me instead of the monstrous disappearing partial table thing. When he was with me again, I turned and the two of us weaved around the dining area and the tables to stand before the windows. But what was outside, well, it took my breath away. Stars. Thousands of them. And in the center of all those stars, it looked like Earth. As I stared at the blue and white ball, I realized, with growing apprehension, that it wasn't Earth at all. It had much more water and substantially less landmass. The continents that I'm familiar with were not visible. I'm no astronomer, but I have a rudimentary idea of what all our local planets look like, those in our solar system that is, and this was certainly not one of them. I wondered for a moment if the view was real. Maybe it was just a picture or an ultra-high resolution screen. But as I stared at the planet, I could slowly see it moving. Or more like, we were moving in orbit around it. Either way, if the view was fake, it was ultra-realistic. Honestly though, I didn't think it was. Ditch stood beside me and I wondered if he had any conception of what he was seeing. Personally, I was in awe. I'd never seen a view like the one before me. And I think Ditch could feel that in me, as empathetic as horses are. Together, we stood witness to a wonder we'd never seen. I could have remained there admiring the view for much longer. But a rumbling in my stomach indicated a new problem. I was hungry, and I bet Ditch was too. Should we find some lunch, buddy? If this was a dining hall, a dining hall needed a kitchen or some food source. But I didn't see a serving counter or a food preparation area anywhere. We started exploring once more. And I noticed that there were equally spaced pillars interspersed through the room. And in each one there was... The fridge? Microwave? I wasn't so sure, so we had a closer look. Well, it looked like a microwave, but without any buttons on it at all. Instead, there was just one of those circular panels, just like the ones outside the doors. So, I put my hand on the panel. What would you like for your meal? I actually hadn't thought about it, so the first thing that came to my mind was... Apple pie? Level 1 alert. The footprinter reports that it is no longer able to produce pie of any kind. The alerts are in poor 
content and are broadcast to ensure your safety. I have issued this message once already. You need to be paid attention. I'd forgotten the alert message from earlier, but seriously? What kind of ship was this? No pie? Are you kidding me? So I just picked something off the top of my head. How about Thai chicken curry and rice? That I can do. Your meal is being printed. Then, just like a microwave, a light came on in the thing. I opened the door and took it out. I smelled it. Yeah, definitely Thai food. I put my finger in it. Heck, it was hot. But upon licking my finger, I realized it was super tasty. And I was super hungry. I turned around to take it to a table to sit down and eat when my food train of thought was interrupted. Ditch was pawing at the floor and glaring at me. Oops, Ditch would need something to eat too. I set my food down on a table, gave Ditch an I'm sorry pat on the neck, and walked back to the machine and pressed the button again. You have just been served, Emil. Don't be green. You can request another meal in, let's say, three hours. Uh-oh. But wait. I gestured for Ditch to come closer, and then I stared at the control panel, inviting him to follow my focus. He picked up on that right away and touched the button with his nose. What would you like for your meal? Please repeat that clearly. This time I said, Hey, answering for him. Please describe the food, hey, and I will attempt to print it. I tried to be specific. Grass, such as Timothy, that is eaten by large grazing animals, such as this fine horse here. Ditch glared at me. And some oats, I added. Your meal is being printed. I opened the door, and sure enough, the compartment was full of hay and a cereal bowl of oats. Not nearly enough for a horse, but it was a start. Wait a minute. Light bulb moment. What about the other printers? Were they networked? Would they know if we'd ordered from another one? We walked to the other end of the mess hall and tried at another station. To Ditch's delight, apparently that little loophole had been missed by the programmers, and soon he had enough hay for a good meal, albeit randomly distributed about the room. Appetite satiated, Ditch and I exited the mess hall by the same entrance we'd come in. We needed to figure out where we were, what we were doing here, and, if there were others on board, where they were. We walked down the hall, and as we did, I glanced at other doors. All of them had the red circle around the touchpad, and I noticed something that I hadn't noticed before. The hallway seemed infinitely long, but it also had a slight curve to it, off to the right. That curve was barely perceptible. And if that was the case, the craft we were in was gigantic. 
Undoubtedly, there were other floors, which would mean that the ship could likely have housed tens of thousands of people. So far, though, we'd seen no signs of life, human or otherwise. Well, that's it for episode one. I sure hope you enjoyed it as much as we enjoyed putting that together for you. Stay tuned for part two of Interstellar Horse coming up soon. Interstellar Horse was written, narrated, and produced by Scott Phillips. The voice of the Olaja AI and the maniacal elevator is Monique Noble. The music in the mess hall is Russian Paddlers by Igor Dvorkin, Bibbs Echo and Ellie Kidd, used under license from Audio Network Limited. The music in the intro is Celtic Union by Terry Divine King and Adam Drake, used under license from Audio Network Limited. All other music in this episode was performed by Scott Phillips. Sound effects were sourced from freesound.org with additional sound effects by Scott Phillips. Make sure to visit AmazingHorseCountry.com. We'd love to have you as a member. Your free membership gives you access to clinics, training videos, online training, webinars, membership forums, and much, much more. I'm looking forward to seeing you online, or maybe in an abandoned interstellar cargo vessel. <laughs>